Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. I read from verse 1 to verse 3. Daniel 4, 1 to 3. Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all people, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God had wrought towards me. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Praise the Lord. This morning, we want to continue our discussion on encounter with the Most High. And uh, the subtopic we are going to be discussing today is that the Most High Is mighty in signs and wonders. Amen. The Most High is what? Is mighty in signs and wonders. We have gone over the story of Nebuchadnezzar over and over again. So today's emphasis is not on Nebuchadnezzar. The Most High is mighty in signs and wonders. I want to zero in on one specific area. Because the whole Bible is a book of signs and wonders, right? The whole Bible talks about the wonders of our God. How he does impossible things. But today we want to look very briefly on signs and wonders in deliverance. Signs and wonders in what? In deliverance. The Lord brought the children of Israel out of Egypt with signs and wonders. Without the signs and wonders, it would have been impossible for Israel to leave Egypt. In Exodus chapter 7, Exodus 7 verses 3 to 5, the Lord was talking to Moses. He said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. Verse 4, he said, but Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that I may lay my hands upon Egypt, and bring forth my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgment. Verse 5. And the Egyptians shall know. Tell somebody the Egyptians shall know. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I stretch forth my hands upon Egypt, and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Isn't the Lord good? Tell somebody the Lord is good. So God had a purpose that he would bring his people, he would deliver them out of the bondage of Egypt. And brethren, it's not God's desire that any of us should be held in bondage. It is not God's desire that any of us should be oppressed. It is not God's desire that we don't live a life in total freedom within the scope of the living God. The Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? There's liberty. There's freedom to move. But do you know, brethren, when the Lord begins to fight for you, 
the enemy does not just give up and disappear. And when we're talking about the enemy here, we have only one enemy. And who is that enemy? It's Satan. When the Lord begins to fight for you, he doesn't just give up and say, oh, God is fighting for him or God is fighting for her. That is it. No. What does he do? He doubles his efforts against you to discourage you. But you know fully well that when God fights for you, you cannot lose. Amen. True or false? When God is on your side, when God fights for you, it is impossible for you to lose. Things may look as if everything is on the downward slope. But with God on your side, like we normally say, one with God is what? It's majority. If God is not on your side, let the whole world be on your side. One day very soon, the whole world will turn against you. Is that not so? The masses are good at changing their mind. Because many at times, the masses do things that they don't understand. They just do things because others are doing it. I don't know if, it's, if it has started to happen in, in Canada that you go to the store, you want to buy these masks. That they, is it not, I believe they sell them in dollar store, right? These things that, no, these things that they, they, are, they put on against coronavirus. It's <laughs> mask, right? It's getting to a point that in some places you, you go to the store, you can't find them. Because somebody has bought them, what happens? Someone else is going to buy them. Say, oh, I mean, this is, that is their own deliverance against the virus. But brethren, our protection and our deliverance is in what? It's in the blood of Jesus. It's very simple. The blood is our protection. The blood is our deliverance. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Moses and Aaron went in and they told Pharaoh, Thus said the Lord of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. But what was his response? He said, who is the Lord? That I should obey his voice and let Israel go. I know not the Lord, neither would I let Israel go. Maybe there's any situation in your life that is questioning, that is asking that question, who is the Lord? God will answer today. Amen. I say God will answer today. Amen. Because God answered that question. God answered the question. Say, well, you've asked who I am. I will show you who I am. Your God will prove himself. I didn't say my God, though. I said your God will prove himself. Amen. That is what our God does. He proves himself. He's alive unto challenges. The Bible says, when you go to verses 4 to 7, the king of Egypt sent a message to the taskmasters over the Israelites and said, well, these people are idle. Because they are idle, they say they want to go and serve their God. They now double their assignments and do not give them provision. Don't give them the raw materials they need. They should go and look for the raw materials. They must still fulfill the quota that is given unto them. Brethren, it's all the harassment of the devil. You know what harassment is, right? Brethren, the devil is a noisemaker. He's a noisemaker. And he will try it against you. But when you remain unshakable, is that not what the Bible enjoys us to be? When you remain unshakable and he sees that the time I'm wasting upon this person 
If I had run after some other people, I would have gained three or, more, or four more. He will leave you for a season. The devil will leave you. Amen. I say he will leave you. Amen. So when it, I mean, and many of us have experienced this. When you start praying, that's the time it looks as if the problem is what? It's increasing. It's a time that the problem becomes more difficult. Before you decided to start praying, you could sleep peacefully at night. Then you heard somebody say that it's good to pray at 12 midnight. And then 12 midnight, one day you make sure you are awake to do what? To pray. And you pray, maybe you sleep for 30 minutes, you pray for 30 minutes, but between 12 and 1 you pray. Amen? Amen. And then by 1 o'clock you go to bed. And what happens? You have a dream that the elder sister to your mother-in-law is chasing you with a knife. <laughs> and then you wake up and say, ah, ah, tonight that I prayed, tonight that I expect everything to go as, as expected, if not better, that is the night I'm having this bad dream. And what do you do? You stop praying. And automatically what happens? The dreams will stop. But it's only because your life is in bondage. It's because you pray to the point of receiving your freedom. But you refuse to press through because of the harassment devil. And I say, ah, it's, it's, it's fine like this. Is it fine? No. It's not. It's not. You will fulfill destiny. Amen. I said you will fulfill destiny. Amen. I was reading a book uh, during the week. A man of God, he said, one man had five children. And the five children are all ladies. So he had five daughters. And all of them got married. But one by one, each one of them came back to the father's house. Now the man had a major house, and those of us from Nigeria you know what we call boys' quarters. He had a boys' quarter at the back of his house. That's a second house, a smaller one. And in the boys' quarter, he had five rooms. So, as the children were coming back one by one, each of them was doing what? Occupying a room in the boys' quarter. He had five daughters. They were married. They came back from their husband's house one by one. And they occupied each one his own room at the boys' quarter. Until the last one of the girls, she also came back, of course. But then one day she went to church. And she realized that her situation was not normal. And she began to pray. And that night, she prayed for about 30 minutes at midnight. And the following morning, her grandmother, say her grandmother. Her grandmother, who was living in the main, uh, uh, the main building with the father, well, they, they were not told what happened to the mother, came and met this young lady and said, ah, which type of prayer were you praying last night? Don't pray that prayer again. No. If you pray that prayer, somebody will die. Yeah. Yes. She told the girl, don't pray that prayer again. If you pray the prayer, somebody will die. Ah, but the girl was wise. Tell somebody to be wise. The first day it was 30 minutes. The following day she prayed for one hour. And you can imagine what happened in the morning again. The grandmother came and said, I told you, don't pray that type of prayer again. It's not good. The third day, the lady took it all the way. By morning when her prayers were over, guess who was dead? The grandmother was dead. 
When they went through the documents of the grandmother, they saw a piece of paper with the names of all those five girls sitting on it, and it was hidden in a padlock. Of course, they just took it out and burnt the paper. That week, her husband came running and said, I don't know what came upon me. Please do what? Come back home. Come back home. It was manipulation of the highest order that sent that girl out of her husband's house. And brethren, one by one, all those young ladies returned to their husband's house. Yes. God will fight for you. Amen. I said God will fight for you. Amen. The point I'm trying to bring out is this. When you begin the prayer that will lead to your total freedom, the devil doesn't just shy away and say, oh, now she's praying. No. He will redouble his effort. That's the time for you to do what? Double yours. You've been praying for 10 minutes before. Increase it to 20 minutes. You've been praying for 20 minutes. Increase it to what? 40 minutes, 30 minutes, one hour. The problem many of us have is our prayer is always give me this, give me that, give me that. Give me that old time religion. <laughs> but that's not what you are praying. <laughs> Amen? If you give quality time to worship God at the time of prayer, remember Paul and Silas. That's what they were doing. That's what they are doing. The prison was were, were broken. Their chains were broken. That time that you set apart for prayer, take time to give thanks to God. Take time to ask God for mercy. Not because you have killed anybody. But because if God chooses not to answer your prayer, there's nothing you can do. True or false? Take time to ask God for mercy. And say, Lord, if there, if there is any reason... Anything that can make you not to answer my prayers, just do what? Just have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I know that the whole world is not calling, not calling on to you for mercy today, but I am here. It's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the midst of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the midst of prayer. It's not my father. It's not my mother. It's not my children. They could be praying their own prayer. But tonight, right now, it's who? It's me. And I need your mercy. You will obtain mercy in Jesus' name. I say you will obtain mercy in Jesus' name. We must realize as children of God that we have a peculiar place where we stand with God. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. From verse 19 to verse 22. Tells us about the greatness of his power to us who believe. To who? Those of us who believe. Ask your neighbor, do you believe? He said, according to the working of his mighty power. Remember we are discussing what encounter with the most high. The most high. The God who is mighty in power. He said, which, verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 21. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, 
but in that which is to come. Brethren, Christ has been raised far above all. Above what? All. The named and the nameless. He's raised above all. Now look at verse 22. Look at verse 22. And I put all things under his feet. How many things? No wonder the Bible says that God had highly exalted him and given him a name above what? Every other name. That at the name of Jesus, what will happen? Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. Things in heaven, things on earth, things underneath the earth. He said he had put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things. All things to the church. Brethren, who is the church? Who is the church? The church is not 300 young streets. The church is you and I that are here to worship the living God today. But God did not stop there. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 6, Ephesians 2, 4 to 6, he said, God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherein, wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, had quickened us together with Christ. By grace we are saved. And had raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So Christ is seated in the heavenly places far above all principalities, all powers, all dominions, all challenges, everything. That's why he can intercede for, for you and I. But he's not sitting alone. He is seated with who? With you and I. We sit with him. We sit with him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Verses 25 and 26, the Bible says, He must reign. Tell somebody, He must reign. Till He has put all enemies under His feet. Your enemies are His enemies. Tell somebody, My enemies are His enemies. And He's going to put them where? Under His feet. And of course, the Bible makes us understand that the last enemy that shall be destroyed is who? Is death. Is death. Death is an enemy. I hope you know that. That's why there's a place called heaven. That's why there's a, 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 a timeless situation called eternity. When death will have been dealt with. When we have got no need to fear death again. And because that time will come, you and I need not fear death now. Amen? Amen. Because brethren, you cannot die until God says it's time. Not even coronavirus. Amen. I'm telling you that. You, nothing can kill you. Uh, the Bible says nothing shall do what? Shall separate us from the love of God. His love is still there. His love is still there. He must reign till he has put all underneath his feet. In Malachi chapter 2, Malachi chapter 2, but, I mean chapter 4, Malachi chapter 4. Verses 2 and 3. Malachi 4, 2 and 3. He says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And you shall tread down the wicked. Who is the, who is, who is the Lord talking to there? He said, You shall tread down the wicked. For there shall be ashes where? Under the soles of your feet. Brethren, that's where the devil belongs. Not just the devil. And all his messengers, all his cohorts, 
We are going through these passages so that you understand your place and your authority with God. You have a place and authority with the living God. And finally, along that line, in Romans chapter 16, Romans chapter 16, verses 19 and 20. Romans 16, 19 to 20. He said, For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad therefore on your behalf, but yet I will have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Now look at verse 20. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan. Where? Where? The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Where is Satan? Somebody answer me. So why are you afraid of him? If he's under your feet, why are you afraid of him? He's a noise maker. He's what? He's a, he will make his noise. But you need to take your stand as a child of God. That passage says, be wise unto that which is good. Be simple concerning evil. What does it mean to be simple concerning evil? Be simple concerning evil. Don't be a partaker. Brethren, many people in their guise to be knowledgeable about evil, about the work of darkness, have taken that slippery road. It's one step that leads to the other. You start with horoscope. Sister Juliana, or whatever the name is, every day will tell you because it's Thursday, because you were born in June, the snow that will fall today will not meet you outside. Then you get to a point that you are no longer satisfied with horoscope, right? Then you go and meet the, the palm reader. Then you get to a point that you say, ah, how are they even doing this thing? How can she just look at my hand and tell me that this and this? Are? You want more. But unfortunately, your desire for more is not more of God, but more of who? More of evil. And you become trapped. And it becomes a slippery slope. Before you know it, the devil will pump you full with demons. And you just find out that some people, they will say, ah, you know, anything I dream, it comes to pass. But you know what? They never dream of good. If that's your situation, you better watch yourself. You need deliverance. See, ah, every time I dream, it does what? But their own, their own dream is always somebody die, somebody will die, somebody will have accident. Ah, if, if, if that person has any dream concerning anybody here, yeah, it shall not come to pass. Amen. I say it shall not come to pass. Amen. When you are loaded with the demons of your father's house, which have come one way or the other, and you think that is power, that is not power. That's why we sang that song that says, there is power mighty. Where? In the blood. So long as you are covered with the blood of Jesus, you are settled. Amen. I say you are settled. Amen. And we are coming to that. Because God, God said, I will put none of the diseases of the Egyptians upon you. He didn't say I will heal you. He said I will make sure you don't fall sick. That's very important. Your obedience will complete the work that your authority has given unto you. Satan is under your feet. 
So the signs and wonders in deliverance can be classified into three different categories. And then we are going to pray. Three different categories. We want to talk about signs and wonders in deliverance. In the book of Acts chapter 7 verse 36. Acts 7 36. Acts 7 36. It says, he brought them out. After he had shown signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, that's number one. In the Red Sea, that's number two. And in the wilderness, 40 years, that's number three. So the signs and wonders relating to deliverance were demonstrated, number one, in Egypt, number two, in the Red Sea, and number three, where? In the wilderness. We know that before the children of Israel came out of Egypt, there were the ten plagues. But I'm going to talk about only one. One obscured one. But it's very profound. And that is the plague of darkness. The plague of what? Darkness. In Exodus chapter 10, verse 22 to 24. Exodus chapter 10, verse 22 to 24. The Bible says, Moses stretched out his hand towards heaven. And there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt. How many days? Three days. Now, this darkness was no ordinary darkness. You know, I mean, as we are here now, if the light goes out, some of us have so much walked the terrain of this church that we know how many steps we are going to take till we get to the door and we can go out. Is that not so? The Bible says that this darkness was such that... Let's go to the next verse. Verse 23. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwelling. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. There was darkness for three days. They didn't see each other. Wherever they sat was where they sat for three days. That means whoever was standing was standing for how many days? Whoever was lying down was lying down for how many days? That is what they call palpable darkness. Thick darkness. Darkness that prevents movement. Brethren, that is what is called stagnation. That is what is called what? No matter what the person does, the person cannot move from that spot. The, 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 the Egyptians had a lack of mobility for three days. But the people of God, the children of Israel, they had light. They were not hindered. And brethren, our God is a God of light. May he shine his light into your darkness today in Jesus' name. Amen. Whatever stands for darkness in your life, whatever be the stagnation in your situation, receive the light of God in Jesus' name. Amen. The light of God will shine upon that situation today in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 from verse 1 to verse 3, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. But the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Receive the light of God today in Jesus' name. That situation in your life that is not clear, that is cloudy, that situation in your life that makes, you, makes it look as if you are stranded. 
That situation will receive divine life today in Jesus' name. Amen. That situation that makes it impossible for you to even see ahead. The light of God will break you today in Jesus' name. There is one thing you need to take note of. There was darkness in the land of Egypt. But the children of Israel were operating in light. If you are still on the side of the Egyptians, you need to relocate. Amen? If you are still on the side of the Egyptians, the time has come to do what? To relocate. You can relocate to the realm of light. You can experience the light of God. Moses made a statement in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19. He said, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. That I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. He said, therefore do what? Choose life. That both thou and thy seed may live. Choose life. That is the obedience that is expected of us. Make a choice for life. Make a choice for light. Make a choice that you will operate in light and not in darkness. Make a choice that as a child of God, all you will do in the dark is what? Is pray. That the powers of darkness will have no impact upon you. So we said signs and wonders relating to deliverance in Egypt. And we've just looked at one aspect. The, I mean, the darkness that was released. So what happened at the Red Sea? What happened at the Red Sea? The children of Israel, when they got to the Red Sea, were faced not only with stagnation, they were also faced with annihilation. In other words, it's like God brought them out of Egypt to destroy them at the Red Sea. They didn't know swimology. If they jumped into the water, they would drown. But Uncle Pharaoh was behind them. And if he caught up with them, what will he do? He will kill them. Either way is death. Then the God that does signs and wonders. The God that is mighty in signs and wonders. Intervened in their situation. He will intervene in your situation today. Whatever be that situation that makes you look stranded, whatever be that situation that puts you at the verge of the Red Sea, God will intervene today in Jesus' name. In Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, Moses said to the people, he said, fear ye not. Ah, that's very profound. Tell somebody, fear ye not. I want to give an assurance to someone here today. There's nothing to be afraid of. Your tomorrow will be all right. Amen. Your tomorrow will be glorious. Amen. Your tomorrow will be great. Amen. Fear ye not. Tell somebody again, fear ye not. Amen. Moses said, he said, stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will see them again no more forever. Forever. The Egyptians that God will destroy on your behalf today, they will be destroyed for how long? Forever. Forever. 
He will come and save you. He will come and save you. Say to the weary one, Your God will surely come. He will come and save He will come, He will come and save you. Personalize that song. Say, he, he will, will come, come and save me. He will come. He will come and save I say to, say to the weary one, your God will surely come. He will come and save He will come. He will That second to the last line, he said, "You will arise again." Yes. Tell somebody, "I will arise again." I will arise again. God bless you, Corinthians. Please, I mean, have your seat. I, you will arise again. Amen. Your God is a God that delivers. Yes. Your God is a God that saves. Look at what he said to the children of Israel. In that Exodus chapter fourteen, he said, "I mean, verse 15. Why he said unto Moses, "Why are you crying to me?" He says, speak to the children of Israel that they do what? Go forward. Tell your neighbor, go forward. As if you mean to say, go forward. It's time for you to move forward. They were to go forward because they had faith. Because they had what? They had faith. The water was still there. The Red Sea was still there. It had not disappeared. But God said, go forward. When God says go forward, what does God mean? Very simple. If he says go forward, he means go forward. There is a path for you. You don't see it because you are still standing where you have been standing. In order for you to, to, to see the path, you need to do what? Go forward. Go forward. That is the word of God to someone here today. God has not given us the spirit of fear. But of what? Of power. Hallelujah. Of power. And of a sound mind. Because many of us, the reason we are stagnant is because we are afraid. What are you afraid of? God is still God. He has not changed. He cannot change, I mean, when it's your own time. He has not ceased to be God. He has not ceased to be God. 
In that Exodus chapter 14, verse 19 to 22, I mean, the Bible says, the angel that went before Israel, that took them to the battle of the Red Sea, he now came and stood between Israel and the Egyptians. You know, there's an adage where I come from that says, the dog that will get lost never hears the whistle of the hunter. That was the case with the Egyptians. Do you know that's the same case with the devil? Until he's totally disgraced, he doesn't give up. He can see that God is fighting for you, but he'll say, mm, I think I can still do something. Until God will treat him like that dog. And he will run with his tail in his mouth. Your victory is at hand. Amen. I say your victory is at hand. Amen. The Bible says, the, what was light to Israel became again darkness to Egypt. But they will never learn their lesson. The darkness of three days was not enough until they experienced the darkness that led them to their destruction. When this was over, Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. The Egyptians were drowned in the sea. We go to the third one. I said it, that when we have the signs in Egypt, the sign at the Red Sea. And we'll just begin with the sign and wonder in the wilderness. And the first thing was a promise that God gave to the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 15. We all know verse 26 very well. He said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that does what? That healeth thee. But I want to look, take it from verse 23. Exodus 15, verse 23 to 27. It's a very simple story. They came to a place called Mara. And the Bible says it is called Mara because the water was bitter. The water was undrinkable. What did the children of Israel do? They began to murmur. These are people that God just divided the Red Sea for them to pass. The God that did all the plagues in Egypt that divided the Red Sea, is it too much? Is it important for them to provide water? It's not that there was no water. There was water. It was just bitter. They began to murmur. And, but Moses did what? He cried unto the Lord. And when Moses cried unto the Lord, God provided a solution that gave them sweet water. Tell somebody sweet water. That was divine provision. Then God warned them. And he's warning someone here today. God warned them not to murmur again. Tell somebody, stop murmuring. Because brethren, the next time they murmured, God dealt with them. I've given you enough signs and wonders. I've given you enough instruction. They murmured, Moses cried. He didn't cry to man, he cried to God. Then God gave them that verse 26. We all know it very well, but we only like the, uh, reciting the last part. I am the Lord that he led thee. But there were a lot of things that were said before that. He said you would diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God. The key word there is diligently. 
diligently. See thou a man diligent in his work. He shall do what? He will not sit before mere men. He will stand before kings. If you diligently listen to and obey the voice of the Lord your God. He said, these, these sicknesses that were on the Egyptians, I put them there. You know, the Bible says, he said, I create good and I create what? Yeah. Evil. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Yes, yeah, so he kills, he makes alive. So he said, there are some diseases that I have created for who? For the Egyptians. If you will be my child indeed, I will put none of those diseases on you. That is our God. For I am the Lord that he let thee. I will make sure you are permanently healed. I will make sure that Sister Corona does not come around you. That is what the Bible is saying. Yeah, the way the thing multiplies, it must be a sister. So I will make sure that that is not your portion. That's what the Bible is saying. But all you need to do, diligently hacking, be obedient. Every morning you wake up, before you go to work, what do you say? I cover myself with the blood of Jesus. If you are going to a, to a public washroom, what do you say? It's not difficult, though, but the problem with many of us is we are too elitist for our own good. You depend more on Lysol. What's the other one? Eh, Lysol, sanitizer. There's one in, from Nigeria. Aizal. Oh, Detour. Uh, uh-huh. We like them. They are very strong. That thing can chop your hand. <laughs> we depend more on those things than on the one that will cost you nothing. I'm not saying, I mean, you go to the washroom, do what? Wash your hand. Wash your hand thoroughly, very well. But you, before you go into all the physical ones, go to the one that is free. I cover myself with the blood of Jesus. I drink the blood of Jesus. If Sister Corona touches my hand, she will die. And you just declare it, and it comes to pass, it begins to happen. Somebody coughs beside you, you want to run. When did coughing become a sin? The blood is sufficient. That blood is still flowing. Tell somebody the blood. It's still flowing. So before he said, I am the Lord that he led thee. He said, be obedient. Be my child indeed. Be my daughter indeed. It's as simple as that. That promise is still available for us here today. I know many of us, like we work in all this, uh, with, uh, with care, care homes and all that. God is with you. I say God is with you. So long as you remain with him, I can give you an assurance. Whatever be their problem there is their problem, it's not your problem. You are not going to contact any uh, 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 Corona or, or Josephine or whatever it is. It is well with you in Jesus' name. Amen. I say it is well with you in Jesus' name. Amen. The word to someone here today is fear not. Fear not. Our God is still mighty in signs and wonders. You.